big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. My name is Lael Stone and I am flying solo today. My beautiful co-host Marion Rose has been unwell and is still recovering. So we wanted to just get a podcast out there because it's been a few weeks. And this podcast on school refusal, I guess, is one that um, I was very happy to talk about having built my own primary school and also having had children who've been at school Uh, something that I have navigated myself and worked with many clients with. Um, For those of you who have been listening to us for a while, you know that Marion has homeschooled her beautiful children. Um, So she was happy for me to just talk about this topic because it wasn't necessarily something that um, she had personal experience about. Um, But a lot of, I guess, what I want to talk about today ties into, I guess, the aware parenting picture and how we can help support our children who don't want to go to school or are having what we call school refusal. And this could also apply to children in kindergarten as well. So if you have any age kiddies, whether that's, you know, kinder kids or primary school kids or secondary school kids who are having a lot of trouble going to school, then hopefully this podcast might give you some ideas of how to navigate it or how to work with it or how to perhaps dig a bit deeper into the bigger picture and the bigger story that's going on. Now, I want to start by just saying I have so much incredible admiration and respect for educators, Uh, even more so now. Our school has been open for a year and a half now, and I just so value teachers at our school. We call them guides and all they bring to children. I know many of them are working in systems that don't support the child and the whole child and our education system you know I see is in a bit of shambles anyway it's it needs a big overhaul we have become even more focused on data and on results than we have the child and uh, a lot of the research is all pointing towards that children need to move more they need more connection with nature they need more arts and creativity they need more choice and autonomy a whole lot more of what we need for the child to flourish is isn't actually happening in our current system. And I just want to shout out to all those educators out there who know that and see that and are trying their best to to bring this connection and this choice and autonomy and all the things that they know to the beautiful kids that they teach uh, in a system that often doesn't support that. So I just wanted to really shout out to that to start off with because I do talk to a lot of educators and I see the struggles that happen And um, it's a big ship to turn, our education system. It's been like this for a long time. It was set up in the industrial age to really create workers, not free thinking, um, autonomous beings. It really was created to just create workers who will do what they're told. And we can see that a lot of our system is still speaking towards that. So I just wanted to start by giving that a place uh, in this podcast. So why do we have school refusal? Well, I think if we were to stand back and look at 
what our children do in a day, sometimes even if we're looking at kindergarten, but specifically in those primary years of school and in the secondary years of school, I think if we were to stand back and watch what our children navigate throughout the day and then perhaps if if we had to do the same, then maybe it might not feel so good for us as, as how sometimes how our children feel. I think it's really important to see sometimes that what happens for our kids in a whole day of being away from us or being at school is that they're often being told what to do all day. And a lot of the times they don't have choice and autonomy. They have to ask to go to the toilet. They can only eat at certain times. They have to sit in chairs this way. They have to be still. They have to listen a lot. Uh, And then we also have the punitive elements that happen at school. If a child is finding it hard to listen or there's something else going on, then perhaps their name goes up in the board or, or something is offered as a punishment if they don't do what they're told. Um, alternatively, there's often rewards used. If you're good, you'll do this. And so if we were to be in a situation like that, I think perhaps we would come out the other end of the day going, gosh, it doesn't feel good. But I think we've become so indoctrinated into this is the way our system is that a lot of the time we don't even see a problem with it or we can reflect back to when we were at school and go, well, that's just what we had to do. Uh, You know, I think we had no choice. We just had to get on with it. But I think what I see with a lot of the clients I work with and also what I saw with my own children is that the kids these days, God, it sounds like I'm really old then, kids these days, um, children these days, particularly if they've been brought up in an environment with something like where parenting, where their feelings are welcomed, where we do give them choice and autonomy, when they are going into a system where it's the exact opposite, it can feel incredibly jarring on their systems. It can feel incredibly jarring to their bodies, let alone if you have a child that needs to move in order to learn or doesn't learn in the classic way of sitting down and taking in information and then regurgitating it back. Perhaps they learn by using their hands by moving their bodies, perhaps they learn when they can talk about what they're learning and then that's how it imprints into their brain and they understand it more. And I know systems are sometimes working to try and help create more options for children, but a lot of the time it, it, it falls short of what kids actually really need. So we can understand on some level why kids are like, I don't want to go. It doesn't feel good. And, you know, again, I have deep compassion for teachers. When you have a class of 27 children and you're the only adult in there, sometimes the only way you can get control is to yell or or think that that's what I have to do in order to get children's attention. And also for children, they come from a home where perhaps there isn't yelling or or we speak respectfully to each other. Being in a situation like that where an adult is yelling or there's a lot of punitive elements that are playing out, that can feel incredibly fractious to their system. It can feel um, threatening. It can make them just shut down and check out. And again, we often, I always come back to this philosophy of children can't learn if they don't feel safe. If a child isn't feeling safe and relaxed in their body, then their brains are not necessarily switched on going, right, I'm going to retain this information or be curious about it or ask questions because their body is doing what it's, what it's designed to do, which is being a bit of a fight or flight mode to say, is there danger here? Is there something going on? And so I think, again, we've got this vicious cycle going on where we have a system that uh, doesn't really support the child. We have too many kids in a class. We have adults who are stressed and stretched and burnt out and having to tick these boxes to do their job and not necessarily being able to connect in the way that they want. And then often we see that kids are the ones that that cop all of this, this downfall in what our system is set up for. 
And again, as I was saying, you come back if you have a child that is a sensitive child or perhaps a child that operates in a different way, then going into that system is going to feel incredibly jarring. It's going to feel really, really challenging. So it makes a lot of sense as to why they say, I don't want to go. Why would we want to go and be in a situation where there's an adult yelling all the time or where we don't actually have choice or where it doesn't feel good? Now, I, I just want to say for some children, this this isn't the case at all. For some children, they love school and and perhaps this, this suits their way of learning. It doesn't mean that they're not sensitive. It doesn't mean that they're not aware. Different children suit different scenarios. So please hear me clearly when I say it doesn't mean if your child loves school that, you know, that there's something wrong with them. That's brilliant. That may be something that really suits who they are in their being. But what I want to talk about really is those kids where they do find it really challenging. For some, it feels okay. And, you know, they love being with their friends and they love learning and it really suits them. But for others, it can feel a really difficult thing to do to get up and go each day. And then, of course, what do they try and do? They try and say, well, hey, this doesn't feel good for me. And they dig their heels in and they say, I'm not going. And it can make a lot of sense as to why they don't want to go. And so I think it's really important, firstly, if you have a child that really doesn't want to go to kindergarten or doesn't want to go to school or high school, to take a pause and just go, all right, let me just feel into what might be really going on for them there. And depending on the age of your child, you know, the first place to start is really to have a conversation and say, what is it that you find really hard? Now, it may be that they're navigating friendships and that's really tricky and they don't know who to play with and and that feels really hard about being there every day. And so we might need to work more with, okay, how can we facilitate um, or support them around friendships or knowing what to do. Perhaps it is the teacher that they dislike greatly and perhaps the teacher, you know, doesn't feel a good fit for them and, and that's the reason why they don't want to be there. Perhaps it's just the system as a whole. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good for me. Perhaps they learn in different ways. So I think the first step is always to just dig a bit deeper to say what is it that is making it so challenging for them to be there. Now, I, I want to um, kind of make a point that I do believe that we can do education differently. And, you know, when we were building Woodline, our school, one of the most important things was coming back to emotional safety. How do we help children to feel safe, knowing that when they feel safe, that is when they're able to learn. And so one of the things we really looked at was where can we give children as much choice and autonomy as possible? Because when children have choice and autonomy, then they're often far more likely to cooperate or to feel more imbalance in their bodies because they have the freedom to be who they need to be. And that choice and autonomy can be just simple things like being able to eat when they want to eat and drink when they want to drink, being able to go to the toilet when they want to, being able to move their bodies, sitting down on the floor, standing up, sitting on a couch. Uh, we have what we call wobble chairs at our school. So kids, if they need to move, they can sit and move on those chairs, uh, being able to wear what they like, you know, being able to find ways of learning that work for them really fostering curiosity. Why am I learning this? What is this about? Or them having even a, a, gosh, I'm really curious about this. Can I learn more about it? Or how can I discover more about it? Really being able to focus on what is it that lights them up and finding who they are as a, as a human being. And then the other piece that I find really important and just I think fundamental in any education system is this trust in the adults that are there, that there's a feeling for the child that this adult likes me, this adult wants me to feel safe, this adult is listening to me, this adult is connected to me. You know, it's okay for me to be upset, they're not going to yell at me, 
They can help me feel how I need to feel. You know, they're all some of the key fundamental things that we were always coming back to in building our school because I looked at my own children who, you know, have all struggled in the mainstream system in certain ways, mainly because they didn't like the punitive discipline elements. Then, you know, all three of my kids learned differently and they were trying to find places where they could thrive by learning in the ways that made sense to them. I think I've shared on our podcast before, my son, who's always been an athlete, has always moved his body. Sitting down with a pen and paper and writing something is torturous for him when he was at school. He learnt best by moving, whether that was climbing something, kicking a ball, using his hands. That was how he took in information and made sense to him. And so finding ways for him to do that in our system was was tricky. And particularly by the time he got to secondary school, he was totally disengaged with being there because he's like, what's the point of this? It doesn't fulfill my passions and what I love. And also I'm just being told off all the time if my shirt's not tucked in or my socks are not pulled up. And, you know, we eventually found a sports school for him that really uh, catered to his needs of movement and his love of football, soccer, uh, and being able to learn in in ways that related to sport really helped him thrive. And he learned some beautiful skills about who he was and being able to communicate with adults and lots of amazing things. I'm giving a bit of a shout out to Cedar College who here is in Australia that has year 11 and 12 programs. They have vet programs which are on all different sports and trades and performance and stuff like that and they really take children who I guess are disengaged with the system and say, hey, how can we help you learn in a way that makes sense to you? So we finally got there in the end for my son but it wasn't wasn't easy because so often he would come home and just go, what's the point of this? And I'd kind of go, yeah, I kind of agree with you. What's the point is I think we've been told that this is how it should be and this is the way it is. And and it felt challenging for me at that time to go, well, how could we do it differently? Because I hadn't built Woodline yet. I still was probably stuck in a bit of my indoctrination of, you know, but we have to finish our education kind of thing instead of being able to just go, oh, what would serve you best here? So then I think I just took a drink of my tea. Usually when I'm doing a podcast, Marion would talk and I'd take a drink. But she's not here. So there you go. I just had a drink of my tea. I hope you'll join me on that. All right. So I guess the reason why I wanted to bring up the way that we bought, have built Woodline and, and part of what we are doing there is to set, I guess, a place to say that it can be done differently. I think many of us go, well, that's just how it is and that's where it's at. But I feel like even in creating our school, you know, I'm really passionate about helping others to go, it is possible and what could you bring into your schooling system or do you want to create one of your own that actually can do it differently that does serve the child. And I feel that that was probably one of the biggest pieces or the purpose of building our school was to say, could we do it differently and can we can we see what happens from that? And there is no doubt a year and a half in we see the most incredible growth in the children that have come to our school. We see not only the emotional growth, their ability to speak their feelings, to move their feelings, to ask for support and help, but also recognising how they learn best, how they navigate relationships. And our academic results have been really, really incredible. You know, we still have to measure and mark, unfortunately, just because that's what the system requires when you're a uh, registered school. But we have seen incredible growth and development, which again really reiterates to me when children feel safe, when they feel seen, when they feel connected to then their ability and capacity to learn increases because they're not having to armor up every day 
just to be in the system or they're not having to protect themselves of what's going to happen next. You know, they're able to relax in their being and therefore their brains are switched on and we're able to, to learn. So I just wanted to kind of place Woodline as a benchmark of what is possible. And, and you know, I, I'm really uh, a lot of compassion to any of you parents who are listening to this whose kids don't want to go to school and you're thinking, yeah, but I don't have a woodline in me or that's not existing. And I want to give you some ideas at the end of this podcast of what you can do or perhaps ways that you could support your child in this bigger picture. So I also think it's really important to look at, you know, in aware parenting, we always, or Mary and I always look at, you know, what is happening for the child. So if we can see the need behind why they don't want to go or what's happening for them, you know, and we can start to lean into that. But like with anything we talk about, when we see anything behavior with a child, we also have to look at where it lands with the adult. And so I would really love to kind of explore just a little bit about what comes up for you as the adult if you have a child that doesn't like going to kinder or doesn't like going to school. You know, what is it that the stories that pop up for you, what are the imprints as I talk about around what you make this mean or your journey to school? So it's really good and it's important, I think, to think back to, well, what was it like for you when you were in primary school? Can you remember? Did you like going? Did you feel scared at primary school? Did it feel like a really fun place to be? You know, how was it for you? What about at secondary school? Did you find it really challenging or was it a great place where you felt like you could thrive and you had amazing friends? Like what is your story? around education. Sometimes what happens is our wounds and our stories from our own education, you know, we see them start to play out with our children and we think, oh my God, I don't want that to happen to them. And so sometimes we just, you know, we try and band-aid it and push them on or sometimes we're like, no, I don't want any of this to happen to you. So we might kind of pull them out, but you know, perhaps we haven't lent into what are our big stories with it. So I think it's always really powerful to look at what is it that comes up for you when you are sitting there with your child who's like, I don't want to go, this doesn't feel okay. What are the pieces that arise for you? And I think another important piece is to lean into what is your belief system around education? You know, were you taught that you know, you're only successful if you finish all your schooling or education is the be all and end all. You must have it. You must get good grades to be successful. Is that what you were told growing up? Does that still exist for you around that? You know, uh, do you have a system of like, well, who are you going to be if you don't go to school and you don't finish? Then are you going to be a dropout? Like what are our stories around it? I think that's a really important thing to look at when we have a child who is perhaps refusing going to school or kinder are there any pieces within that that feel really ouchy for us? Like what is the story that sits there? What do you need to explore as the adult in this situation that's playing out with your child? You know, for me, um, as I said, I mentioned all three of my kids have had challenges with school. Um, you know, I, I remember very clearly my youngest when she was in grade three at a primary school, she had a teacher who by all accounts, probably should not have been teaching. This teacher was so stressed. She was so out of control. All she did was use punitive discipline constantly. She yelled at the kids. She made them sit in the corner if they weren't behaving well. Like she was, you know, I, I really feel for her. I think she was probably in a lot of trauma, this woman. Um, but the way she then transferred it onto the children was not okay and not healthy. And my beautiful little daughter was like, no way. I am not, I am not going back into her class. And she was so clear and so adamant and I thought I need to listen to her and there wasn't an option of changing classes and and my daughter just came to me and she said this is not the um 
the right school for me. And she's like, I want to change schools. Now that I was like, well, what do you mean we have to change schools? And we've been at this school for a long time. And, you know, a whole lot of feelings came up for me around it. But then I thought, you know, I trust her. So we went and looked at different schools and I actually said to her, honey, I really trust you to know the right place to be. So we looked at one school that was a bit more alternative and I thought, oh, this could work. And she's like, nah, this isn't it. And then we went to another school and the moment we walked into the grounds, she kind of just looked around and said, nah, this is where I need to be. And then we met the principal and she met some students and and Tali said, no, this is the school. And it was, and she was really happy there. It was just, it was different. And it was a really beautiful uh, experience for me to learn to trust her in what she know what she knew she needed. Now that also turned up again a few years later. Uh, she started year seven at the beginning of COVID. And so she started high school and then went for like I don't know, six weeks or something. And then it was all online learning. And then she went back again. And then it was just, it was very disjointed and very tricky. And she never really got to kind of connect with friends in some ways. And so by the end of year seven, as we were moving into year eight, she came into my room one day and just stood there and she said, I cannot go back into that system. I can't go back and be told to pull my socks up and do subjects that make no sense to me. I just cannot do it. Like she was just so clear and I was like, okay, what are we going to do? And I just finished building Woodline. We were about to open it. And I had now had the understanding of what it is to write curriculum or also, you know, what we need as far as what the education system says we should learn. And I thought, wow, if that's what I've done for primary school, then I can totally homeschool if you want. We can find ways to learn in ways that feel good. And so it was confronting because part of me is like, I don't know if I really want to homeschool. I don't know if I'm going to be able to teach you enough. But I actually just thought, you know what, we will figure this out. And we had an amazing year of homeschooling. I had a tutor for my daughter because, you know, she wanted someone to help her with English and maths. And again, I was kind of like, I don't really know what I'm doing with this. And so we um, hired a tutor which was amazing. She worked with her two and three times a week um, and just taught her in a way that made sense to Tali. Tali began to really understand. I actually need one-on-one instruction. That's what helps me feel best. That's how I learn well. And we also that year did lots of amazing activities that really lit her up. She did pottery like seven hours a week or something of pottery because she loved it. Um, She did a whole lot of other stuff that really lit her up. And then by the end of finishing year eight, she said, you know what, I actually think I'd like to try a completely different school because I'd like to kind of connect with some other friends. And this time she went back with an awareness of the system um, and perhaps a, a whole different take on it and has been in a secondary school now and has found her place. And what was very interesting is when she went back to the secondary school and she had to do that measurement of where are you on the scale of learning, she was actually a year and a half above the standard level she'd been at, even though she probably hadn't really been to school, well, whatever was traditionally school for those two years. But working one-on-one with a tutor and doing actually less hours of schoolwork actually had given her better results. Um, or, or amazing results. And I thought that was very interesting. Now, I'm not saying that's the same for all children, but I just wanted to share that story as 
a, a place of just trusting my child or trusting, okay, what are they showing me? Where are they? Equally too, you know, my middle daughter, she lived through COVID and, and you know, was doing secondary school, managed to get through year 11, but just said to me at the beginning of year 12, which is our final year of schooling here, she's like, mum, this is going to be torturous for all of us. I just do not want to do it. I would rather go and work. I'd rather go and do things I'm passionate about. I want to work with youth. I would rather go and volunteer. And she was very clear again about what she wanted. And it was challenging for me because I could still see those parts of me indoctrinated in the whole, but you must finish school because what happens if you don't? But she also taught me as well that she was going to find her path and her way no matter what. And she always has moved towards things that light her up in her own time. And, and again, it was such a beautiful reminder for me of trusting the journey and that sometimes we have to step aside, look at the system and say, does that actually serve my child? And what are my connections and stories around it? So uh, I, I really just wanted to share that as for some of you who may be really stuck in the, but what would it mean and what happens? And there is a lot of amazing alternative education out there. Well, it's just education. And that could be homeschooling. It could be school co-ops. There's lots of beautiful things like forest schools that are popping up um, in places I know where kids get to be in nature for two days and do a whole lot of learning. And then there's other learning. There is a lot of beautiful opportunities and alternatives out there now for children and sometimes it's I guess being um, doing some research you know stretching a little bit to see what is possible what could help them feel good because at the end of the day I come back to this same thing when a child feels connected when they feel let, lit up when they feel passionate about something they are going to learn far more than being told they have to fit into this box in a system that doesn't serve them so I think it's really important that we we lean into seeing what is my child telling me here? Is it bringing up stuff for me around this? What needs to be challenged in that right now? And I think, you know, on some level COVID was a beautiful example of that. For some children, they thrived because they got to do a bit of learning at home on their own on the computer and then they spent the afternoon doing stuff they loved and that felt really great balance for them. For others, that lack of connection was not great. Um, not seeing people was not a great thing. So I think every child is different but I think we need to keep our minds open to, well, what else is possible and what could happen here? I think that's a really important thing to ask ourselves as well. So what I'd love to come back to now is, I guess, some tools or some support for parents around what happens if your child doesn't want to go to school or they're not wanting to go to kinder. What can we do? So again, as I mentioned earlier, if we can get to the why, first of all, is it friends? Is it teacher? Are they struggling with learning? Perhaps there's some issues around that comprehension. Um, is it just the system as a whole? Do they need some more freedoms? Do they need choice and autonomy? Is it is it? Can we lean into what is it that is the issue that we're finding really really tricky? Now, sometimes when we have a bit more of a clear idea of what the issue is, then potentially we can work with the school or the kindergarten to go, okay, this is where I see they need more support. And when we're able to give them that support and that holding, then um, that can make a difference. Sometimes school refusal is really around lots of anxiety that a child may be carrying and and how it turns up is in separation from you and not wanting to leave you or not wanting to go to school because it's it's stepping away from you. And sometimes it can present as, I just don't want to be away from you, but actually there might be some deeper anxieties or some bigger wounds or 
trauma or feelings that are sitting there that is stuck. And, you know, from an aware parenting point of view, we often look at when the same situation keeps coming up, whether it is about not wanting to go to kinder or school or whether it's about, um, you know, not wanting you to leave the room, whether it's about um, something to do with, you know, food or control or whatever it is, when the same story keeps popping up, then usually what we do is we look at it and go, okay, what is the sweet spot here? What is the story that is playing out here where this incident, whether it's me leaving the room or having to eat vegetables or, um, you know, going to school or kinder is bringing those feelings up. So from an aware parenting point of view, often we would look at, well, can we hold some space for some feelings that may be stuck there and when those feelings are able to be moved in the child then there might be more willingness to go to school so sometimes it is about separation sometimes there's some attachment stuff there and actually saying goodbye to you for the day or leaving you for five or six hours feels so big it's tapping them into some deeper stories and when we can sit and hold space for those big feelings then perhaps that moves some of the resistance of what's going on now i think all the aware parenting tools that we have can be brilliant um, when we're working with any issue or any story we've got going on but particularly if there is a bigger story around i don't want to leave you or um you know I, I, you know, I, I feel lonely on my own, all those kind of things. Now, if the issue around school refusal is a teacher, if it's the system as a whole, if it's friendships, you know, sometimes they are trickier to uh, support and change and, and that may be maybe we need to change school, maybe my child just doesn't suit this system that's here, um, maybe they're the steps that need to be taken to um, create that change. But if it is there's stuff around, separation, if there's stuff around, um, you know, not being able to speak their truth or being able to say, I don't like that to someone or being able to navigate relationships, then can we use some of the beautiful aware parenting tools? So that can be things like lots of play, lots of power reversal games. Now, as I said at the top, you know, children feel like, particularly in school, they're being taking orders all day from somebody. So what can we do with that? Well, that can be a beautiful thing to do lots of power vessel games when we come home. I used to play this all the time with my kids. Whenever I'd pick them up from school, we'd come home and the first thing we'd do is we'd rumble at home. We'd get on the bed. We'd have a big pillow fight. Sometimes we'd play the game Tali's Rules, which is my daughter. So she got to be the boss of me for 10 or 15 minutes and order me around and tell me what to do and all those kind of things. And that was her way of uh, gaining some power back from feeling like she'd been told what to do all day. Uh, any kind of power vessel games where our children get to be faster, stronger, in charge can be amazing to help them kind of decompress from the day and actually fill up that need for some more choice and autonomy and power so that they then can navigate when they go back into school. It can feel like, yep, okay, I can, I can balance it because I am getting that power at home if I'm not having it at school. So so that may be um, something that you could work with. Um, again, it could be all about just holding space for some big tears and big feelings. If you sense it is around separation or attachment, maybe it is just leaning into whatever that sweet spot may look like and saying, you know what, darling, you know, we are going to go to school tomorrow and I'm going to drop you off and, and holding the space at home for those feelings to come up and really listening, really allowing the child to move whatever rage or anger or feelings may sit there so that they can move it from their body if they're old 
older stuck feelings, that may be something that you can do. For younger children who are perhaps at kinder or in the early years of school, playing schools, playing kinders can be a wonderful way to process for them what is happening in that day. can also give you a bit of an insight into what has happened for the day with your child, you know, and usually in play like that, uh, it can be brilliant if the child is the teacher or the guide and, and you're the student and you'll often hear the things that they say. And that can be a wonderful way for them to make sense of it, to process how it's going. Um, so that can also be something that you can do, some tools you can use to help them process what is happening at school, how that how that feels. Um, one of our colleagues, Emma Dumas, has a website called Expanding Minds and she has a wonderful resource on there which is a whole lot of ideas on how to help your children navigate schooling when there's big feelings, lots of ideas for plays and things that you can do to help your kids process some of the feelings they have there. So that may be something you also want to check out, that that can be a really great resource for giving you some ideas on how to support your child as well. Uh, the other thing you can do is also engage your school or your kindergarten to say, hey, what's coming up for my child is they don't feel like they have any choice or they don't feel they have any autonomy or they find it really tricky um, sitting still when you're learning. And can we can we work with that? What can we do to support them to do it? So I think some education systems have got a lot more awareness around trauma now. A lot of them have got a lot more uh, awareness around that some children need to move their bodies, some children need to um, play with certain things. Sometimes people they need, you know, they need to be very tactile with stuff, and that's how they uh, can navigate what's going on. So some schools are very open to what can we do to help my child feel calm in their body and their being, so that they can learn. I was speaking to um, a, a lovely woman the other day who's a teacher, you know, who was sharing about a child that, you know, is just on high alert often and has got a whole lot of stress and trauma and what can we do to support them? And, you know, I was just saying that there's no point trying to do anything education-wise when a child is like that because their brain often isn't able even to learn. Really what you should be looking at is when that child is in your classroom, how do we help them just feel calm? How do we help them feel safe? Can you give them stuff to do that's maybe creative? Can you give them stuff to do where they can feel connected and safe to you? Because that to me is the first step. Before we even try to teach anything, what we have to do is help their little bodies and their brains know hey, it's safe here. I'm going to be a safe person for you. I'm going to really prioritize connection so that you can trust me so that when we are here and when we're together, your whole nervous system can find its calm because only then will we probably be doing learning from there. But when a child is on high alert, when they're feeling really stressed, there's not much of that going on. So I think engaging the school is really, really important to say, look, this is what I see in my child. This is how they learn best. This is what I am seeing is the issue. How could we work with that? Now, sometimes a lot of schools use um, you know, punishments and rewards to get what they want. And they might say, well, we'll reward you if you do this or if we do that. But that is only ever going to go so far, right? Because, you know, children are pretty smart and often the currency runs out, you know, once upon a time, it's okay if you give me a sticker, that makes me feel good. But then I don't really want a sticker. So then it moves to a lollipop. Oh, well, lollipops are right. But then I don't really want a lollipop. I want an Xbox or, you know, and 
And again, what it is, is it's not actually addressing what the core issue is. It's kind of just band-aiding it. So it might be going to your school or your system and saying, how could we do it in a better way to meet my child's needs for connection, for choice and autonomy, helping them feel safe? What could we do? And, you know, I think another important thing is to kind of call out punitive punitive measures. If you feel brave enough, if you feel that, you know, um, you can advocate for your child in that way, just say it's not okay that we're putting kids' names on the boards when they're acting out because children don't act out because they want to. They're doing it often because they can't help it, particularly in environments like that. And so when we are punishing them or we're keeping the whole class in because this child has trouble sitting still then what we're doing is we're just adding more pressure more shame more feelings into that child and then we're actually just exacerbating the problem we often are not getting the results that they're looking for by using those punitive measures if you're wanting some supports around that go and look at the work of Alfie Cohn he's got a great book called Punished by Rewards or Unconditional Parenting and he talks a lot about our schooling system and how we need to move away away from punitive discipline and these punishment and rewards actually don't support and serve the child at all. It may get some quick fixes from the adults, but it definitely doesn't support the child long-term. So it may be going and advocating for your child and saying, hey, punitive measures are not okay. What could we do differently? And, you know, in our school at Woodline, we don't use punitive discipline at all. We are always looking behind the behavior. We are always, if a child's having a hard time, we are questioning what is going on for them what do they need and the first step we always do is move in with connection whether that's just do they need some support do they need some information do they need some help with what we're doing do they need to go outside and move their body do they need to go and visit one of the animals do they need to push up against a limit and have a big release so they can find their way back into balance our job is to be connected with them the whole time so so we can give them that safety and security to say hi i can see there's something going on for you we're here to help you find your way back into your center so i think it is tricky to do sometimes. It's it's almost impossible for one teacher and 26 kids. It, it isn't possible. We need more adults who are able to tune into kids and feel connected with them. And, and again, that might be something you have to ask your school or kindergarten, how could we do this differently? How can we, we do it so that my child doesn't feel like they're going to be under threat the whole time? Or how can we do it so that they feel safe and connected and, and know that these adults are like, hey, we're here to, you know, to look behind the behavior and hold it. And I also just know how challenging it is when we don't have the support we need as the adults, it's, it's much like parenting. When we don't have support, when we haven't taken care of our own needs, it's very hard to turn up and hold that space for our kids. It's I absolutely get that. But I think we can put the question out there of how can we do it better? How can we? How can we change it? Uh, I think it's always really good too, as I mentioned before, um, connection is vital, whether that is before your child goes to school. So that might be doing having some special time or connection time before school where, you know, you just have 15 minutes of thumb wrestling or or playing or giggling or laughing or doing something that really facilitates that connection between you and your child. It kind of like fills up their cup so they can go into the world. You know, when we kind of get up and we just do that quick, you know, let's get ready and we've got to do this and we do the hustle in the morning, it can feel, you know, a child is going after school just feeling like, whoa, I don't even feel connected to you. I feel really stressed. feels really 
really full on and then they're not able actually to cope when they're there. So sometimes slightly slower mornings, sometimes connection time where we get to play or just fill up their cup and giving them choice and autonomy again in the morning can make a massive difference around their willingness to go as well. So can we do that? Can that um, can that support them? And then, of course, after school, how do we help them decompress as well? And, you know, one of the most important things always I talk about is listening so that when you do pick them up from school, you know, one of the first things we often say is, how was your day? Now, sometimes children don't want to go into that yet. Sometimes they're just so full up. They can't even recall how their day was. One of the best things we can do is, hey, let's just go home and rumble straight away. Let's have a pillow fight. Let's go home and I don't know, do some crazy dancing. Let's go and do something that it brings some connection. And sometimes only after they've moved their bodies and their feelings are they then able to say, oh, this happened today and I didn't like it when the teacher said this and then my friend did this and then they made fun of me. And it's in those times again where we have to remember our job there is just to listen. It's just to go, oh, that sounds tricky. Tell me more. Or what else? Oh, gosh, that sounds really hard. And just offer those beautiful lines of listening and holding. And then maybe at the end you could say, what do you reckon you could do about it? Have you got any ideas of what you could do? Or they might not even need ideas of what to do. They maybe just needed to vent how it felt for them. And in those moments, actually, all you need to do is listen and listen well. And offering that, have you got any ideas, might be able to put it back to them so that they can think about what they might want to do. Or you could say, would you like me to offer you some ideas? Now, if they say no, don't offer the ideas. Definitely don't. Just be quiet because sometimes it's just being heard is what they need. But if they do want some ideas and you might want to say, okay, well, if it's about your friend, could you say this thing? Or could you say that thing? Or could you give them some funny alternatives that makes them laugh? You know, could we model a way to have that conversation that might make them feel more, you know, centered or or give them some tools to use in conversation? Or is it, you know, what would you like to say to your teacher if you could? And would you like me to come with you tomorrow and we could say that to your teacher? Or would you like to write it down for them? Or, you know, I think sometimes what we need to do is just give our kids some tools to work with to know how to navigate this this tricky part of it. Um, the other thing too is for some kids, sometimes the best thing we can do is to give them days off to um, just give them time to be at home with you, particularly for children who are, are more sensitive. You know, a loud classroom with a lot of kids is just too much. It's too much stimulation. It's just too much for their nervous system. And actually what they need is just quiet at home with you. And can we factor that in? I think it's really important to remember that particularly, well, not even just in the primary years, in the secondary years as well, that children need downtime as well and missing a day of school is not going to be the end of the world. It's not. It's it's more important that they feel centred and balanced. It's more important that they feel connected to you, particularly primary school. So much of it is about just socialisation and learning to navigate relationships and friendships and a lot of sometimes what our children learn at school actually doesn't have any relevance really to their lives. It's just because there's this curriculum that says this is what you should do. And sometimes more learning comes from being at home, being in the garden with you or baking cookies or going visiting the art gallery or doing something that is about that beautiful connection and learning from the world because there is so much to learn from the world, not just from in the classrooms. 
So someday, sometimes the way that we can help our beautiful kids is to say, hey, let's have some days off and um, let's have a whole day together, just you and me, one-on-one, or what could we do that can really fill up their cup to allow them to um, to feel more centered in their being. So that might be something else to consider. I mean, at the end of the day, I can really come back to this, is that when we raise our kids, I guess, with awareness and we welcome their feelings and emotions and we hold space for them to be who they need to be, when they go out into the world and it is not the same, it can feel really jarring. There is no doubt. But I also think that sometimes those experiences can be beneficial because what it can do is give our children the contrast and allow us then to have conversations with them to say, hey, how did that feel for you when that person spoke that way? It didn't feel good. Okay, what would you like to have said to them if you could have said that to them? Or why do you think that person behaved in that way? Do you think maybe they were feeling stressed or perhaps they were angry or they felt out of control? You know, one of the greatest things I've found from my kids being in the system is the opportunity to sit there and then unpack what the system is, uh, how the world works, why some people behave the way they do. And what I have found is it's given my children so much insight into who humans are and how our world works on many levels. And they're able to stand back and actually see it and see it for what it is. They can engage in it in a way where they still hold their own center and their sense of self, but they have an understanding of how it actually works. And I have seen that as a gift. You know, I wish Woodline, the school I built, was for my children. I mean, I built it, you know, because of what I witnessed in them, but I wish they had have been able to attend it, but they, you know, they were too big and grown up. Uh, but I also can see the beauty now of what they have learnt and navigated through being in these systems and the times where they didn't want to go and what that's brought up in me and really trusting their journey that it hasn't all been bad. You know, there has been some incredible learning and growth and understanding that has come from them by being in that system. You know, sometimes the contrast is what shows us what we deeply desire and what we want. So I just wanted to say that that if you are struggling with your child and they're not happy being at kinder or at school, you know, can you take a breath and stand back and trust their journey? You know, really look into your child's spirit. Who are they? What are they asking for? Does the system maybe not serve this, this little one, but maybe it serves one of your other ones and that's okay. What is it? What brings them that joy and that light? Where do you see them in their happiness? What could we do to support that? You know, it's education and learning from life. I really do believe this. We can learn anywhere and life is full of learning if we're open to seeing it that way. Sometimes we need to challenge the belief systems that we've been taught to create something different. Sometimes it's about being the advocate for our child in the system to say, hey, can this be done differently? Sometimes it is just a bigger, deeper story for our beautiful kitties that they've got going on and the system is the thing they're pushing up against to try and move those feelings and and can we support them to move their feelings in that way? There's so many different places, I think, to go with this and at the end of the day what I really want to come back with is our child is not wrong if they don't like it. Our child is not wrong if they don't want to go. Our child is often saying, hey, there's something here for me and can you support me and can you help me with this? And I guess my offering is to what are they asking? What are they deeply asking of you, of the bigger picture? 
How could we serve and support them to be the best version of themselves in the world? What is it that we might be able to do to support that beautiful story for them? At the end of the day, again, I keep coming back to this. Children need to feel safe. They need to feel connection in order to learn. You know, what what is it that we can do to help facilitate that? What do we need to shift in our story to help them be and know the path they need to walk? What do we need to challenge in our own stories so that we can be that anchor point for them and say, hey, I, I'm with you. I'm walking beside you in this journey. I do hope that some of this has helped for some of you. Maybe it's helped you go, you know what? Yep, I'm going to I'm going to just ease back a bit. Maybe I'm going to lean in a bit more with more play or or listening to more feelings. Maybe I'm going to have a meeting with the school. Maybe I'm not going to make my my child wrong for not wanting to go. Maybe I'm going to just find an alternative or maybe we'll find a middle ground where we can all get our needs met here so it can feel good for everyone. So I hope it's given you something to lean into, to think about, to to see, you know, to trust the bigger picture of our child's journey and to trust our story as well. So I think that's about it for me. feels very weird not having my co-host here. So hopefully we'll be back next week um, together well so that we can, uh, we can talk about some more beautiful stuff. Um, as always, we love it when you share our podcasts or when you rate us or when you give us, you know, ask questions around things you'd love us to talk about. You know, we really appreciate that. So I, uh, I am going to leave it here. I trust that you will all um, go gently, look after yourself and, um, you know, remember to tune into that magnificent spirit of your child. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.